Yo, what's good guys? I am excited to bring this new brand of the Fireside Bears, the architect, the host of this podcast, Usaid Kosher. You can follow him on Twitter, Usaid Kosher. You can follow my right-hand man, Sam Stevenson, SJSteve9. You can follow me on Twitter, AJ, Agent Cyborg. We're happy to be presented by Empire Sports Media and also... Um, sponsored by Audacia Sports. So how's it going, fellas? Justin Fields, baby. Justin fucking Fields. Yo, I am. Oh, go ahead, Sam. No, I was gonna say that was a great intro, AJ. Good shit. It was, dude. But guys, um, you know us. We're formerly of the Barely Hibernating Podcast. We're excited to be signing on with Empire Sports Media. We've rebranded to Fireside Bears. We're going to be doing the same thing that we always did, all right? Just shooting the breeze about the Bears every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Time, 9 p.m. Eastern. All right. Big shout out to Alex Wilson, Anthony Rivardo for kind of giving us this opportunity. We're actually going to go, guys, from podcasts to including articles as well now. So, that's going to be super exciting but hey you can follow the new social media channels on twitter facebook instagram youtube and tiktok at fireside bears all right our guy max smith he's making some great tiktok content all right sam can totally attest to that uh but same as always guys we've just really rebranded and then like aj said be sure to check out audacia sports because they have some really cool chicago sports stickers all right danny and his crew have been working really hard there they are gonna start expanding into other markets as well but guys let's get into it 2021 nfl draft and i tweeted this last week on monday that the bears were some way somehow going to trade for justin fields or Figure out a way to get Justin Fields on the roster. Sam, I'll start with you on this one. Dude, initial thoughts, reaction, analysis. The Bears have an actual quarterback. So, like I mentioned last week, it's so much fun when you watch the first round of the draft when your team actually has something at stake. And for the Bears, it was, are we going to get a quarterback? And and as the picks started falling and as we started getting into trading range, you know, it all started when Trey Lance went third overall. And, and, you know, there was moments where it was like, well, we got to try to go up to eight. There was reports that the bears tried to move up to nine. Then there was a bit of a fright when the Eagles got up to 10 and they took Devonte Smith, but me and my friends were watching and we started panicking a little bit. And then, then we see the, the, the tweets come out. We see the trade has been made. And when I saw the Bears, the 11th overall pick, and Justin Fields still on the board, I I felt an emotion I haven't felt with the Bears in a very long time, and that was pure joy. And and just to be a Bears fan last Thursday and to see Justin Fields be picked by my Chicago Bears was an unbelievable feeling, and I I could not be happier with with the results of that. And it, it was it was an incredible feeling, incredible day for sure. You know. I mean, I I was just I was happy as fuck. Obviously, you know, just like watching it. I was doing a live show with the Laundry Network, and some guy said Najee Harris, and I flipped my mattress and like you know I I, I was like refreshing Twitter over and over and over and over again, and it wasn't nothing was announced or anything. It was just a joke, and I came back into the camera and. You know, there was a ticker on the bottom. I couldn't see it. It's like right here. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. And we were doing the picks like that. And then um, Rhino at that point was like, look at the ticker. Look down. And I'm like, which fucking ticker are you talking about? And I looked down. And at the same time as I'm looking down, the commissioner is like going on about his like, like, I mean, yeah, I care about the COVID stuff and all of that. But that was kind of a really, really long, dragged out situation for me to figure out that Justin Fields was our quarterback. And then that guy said, my Chicago Bears select Justin Fields. And as that ticker was going down, man, I was like, lit. I was lit as shit, man. Like, dude, we got a quarterback, man. Holy shit, man. But man, that, those were my reactions. Obviously, you know, him showing up in Soldier Field at uh, World Lake Forest, um, house on that red suit looking dapper as fuck obviously and man dude that call i guess i mean that was cool too but you know when i saw justin Fields' room empty i guess like they all ran out and celebrated maybe i mean that's what i think but i mean i don't know i don't know see i had known 
prior to because Biggs kind of tipped the Brad Biggs, right? He went ahead and tipped the pick. I saw the notification on my phone, and I'm like, okay, this legitimately happened. But I think what a lot of Bears fans have to understand, and or you guys should know this actually, is that this has been a year long process in the making because Sports Illustrated came out with the story and they touched on it. But if you listen to Matt Nagy in that post draft presser on Saturday night after the draft had concluded, he kind of talked about how, hey, listen. Basically, he alluded to the fact that this has been like a year in the making. The fact that when last year he was watching J.K. Dobbins and a lot of these other Ohio State prospects, like Chase Young, for example, his eyes got kind of caught Justin Fields, and he called Ryan Day up. And Nagy's actually very close to Ryan Day, and they have a great relationship. And so they kind of went ahead and talked about, oh, my God, like, you know, what's your quarterback like? So this has been something that's been a year in the making. But I just think overall, Bears fans, you guys realize that what you're getting in Justin Fields isn't just a proven as proven as it gets at the quarterback level. You're getting a dual threat quarterback. You're getting a player who can win in the air and hit pretty much any throw on the field, especially the deep ball. Like that game against Clemson in the college football playoff, the one touchdown that he had to Chris Olave, that is the exact same route concept and throw and play design that Matt Nagy's tried to run in the past. And the Bears have just been able unable to hit the deep ball because they don't have a quarterback that's been capable in the past of hitting the deep ball. But that's an example of a throw that you would scheme up to a guy like Darnell Mooney, for example. But Fields can win through the air. He can also do it with his legs as well. I'm pretty sure he ran the same 4-4 that like Tariq Cohen did or something, or the same 40-yard dash time that Tariq Cohen did. That's a statistic that I saw floating out there. Overall, though, when you look at it, right, the Bears are getting a quarterback that is an athlete, but he's also a damn good football player. And I think that when you compare it to the last time the Bears drafted a quarterback, there was a quarterback, or I'm sorry, there was an athlete. There wasn't necessarily a quarterback, though. Yeah, and I think, too, you're getting a motivated quarterback. You're getting a kid who's had the light on him for some time and has played in big games and has stepped up in big games and was probably arguably the second best quarterback in this draft class. I think he's better than Zach Wilson. I think he's, I pretty much think he's better than all the guys taken except for maybe Trevor Lawrence. Like that's, that's just me. I, in my mind, I when I saw Justin Fields get taken, I saw the second best quarterback in this draft class get taken to the Chicago bears. And, and he's got a chip on his shoulder, and that's a big deal. I, I like his confidence. And, there, you know, when he was getting his picture taken with that jersey and he had that stone-cold face, like, that's a kid who's ready to play day one, and that's a kid who's ready to prove that he can be a real, true franchise quarterback. The confidence that Fields has and the swagger that he carries with him, that's something Bears fans haven't seen a quarterback in a long time. We definitely didn't see it with Mitch, and that's a big deal. And I think that's going to be kind of something that I have to get used to because – that's something I haven't seen in my quarterback in so long, and that's exciting. And it's it's just a great feeling to have that his character traits and stuff are going to carry over in the NFL. I'm I'm very excited to see what Justin Fields can do, and and I love his confidence. Honestly, man, I'm just still excited about my last comment, dude. I can't even think straight. Like it's been what Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, two. This is six days now since we drafted him. And, like, I'm still obviously a little bit in awe, but not, not as much in awe. But, like, you know, the Chicago Bears, yeah. just to add to your points before I just flip it back to you, you say it in a, in a minute. Um, you know, the Chicago Bears, you know, Jay Cutler, he was traded from the Denver Broncos, came here in 2009. Last year was in 2016. After the 2016 season, he was he was done, I think, uh, if I remember correctly. And... Um, you know, I think that was that little gap of seven years or however long Jay Cutler was here for. You know, that was a time where we saw some average quarterback play. You know, we didn't really see it with Mitch. You know, I'm being completely honest here. You know, Mitch, like, I guess, like, had to learn from a dumbed-down playbook that Matt Nagy threw out there for him, and he had to learn that, and he still couldn't um, uh, execute that playbook to, like, even half perfection. So... I mean, now it's like you have a quarterback, right, in Justin Fields that could go past his first progressions, 
or first read, sorry, and could um, go within his progressions and he could deliver touch passes. I mean, you know, a, a lot of guys benefit from this that we were going to cut, but like now we're considering it. You know, Anthony Miller has like some value now. Jimmy Graham has some value now. You know, we just signed um, Bird from New England. I, I'm going to butcher his name. I'm not going to I think it's Damien. Uh, see, I, I already butchered it. So, Damien? I think so. Is it Damien? Okay. Um, some birds, D bird. All right. D-bird, um, yeah. yeah, the bird, yeah, the bird, there we go. The bird. Um, I think he'd appreciate that too. Um, but yeah, we got, we got some speedsters. We got Daz Newsome. So, I mean, like now it's just like, you know, and, and Marquis Goodwin. So now it's just like, you know, we already know that Darnell Mooney and Alan Robinson are going to benefit off of this. Now it's going to be a fun training camp, you know, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields going at it. I obviously want Justin Fields to start week one, day one, and all of that because he has the necessary tools to do so. A lot of people thought that Justin Herbert would be one of those guys that you can't start week one or day one, but he did and ended up being the rookie of the year. Um, and, you know, hey, if if Justin has a good season and it's better than Trevor's, he could be rookie of the year. And I mean, like, if the Chicago Bears see that, they should start him from day one. And, you know, I think he should deserve that chance because if you trot out Andy Dalton there, the defense is not going to be motivated enough to play. You know, you drafted a quarterback out of Ohio State, the person that could end the curse of Ohio State. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. I want him to start week one. My whole, <clears throat> as I clear my throat, my whole thoughts are this is I don't think Justin Fields is starting week one. Now, I'm going to clarify this real quick. I am of the opinion that, yeah, you should throw Justin Fields out there week one. But then at the same time, I will say this much as well as Justin Fields is not going to start week one because the Bears kind of put their foot down. Nagy and Pace, they put their foot down and they were talking about, uh, hey, listen, despite the fact that we have Andy Dalton, despite the fact that we have Justin Fields and Justin Fields right now is the best quarterback that the Bears have. But the reality of the situation is that he's just not going to start week one. And I actually prefer that the Bears kind of take it slow and let him sit on the bench for a couple games, because remember, this was supposed to be the plan with Mitch Trubisky and then it completely failed. Now I would still take Andy Dalton as a bridge quarterback over Mike Glennon, but at the end of the day, man, the Bears finally have a legit quarterback, all right? Or we hope we have a legit quarterback because again, Fields is proven at the college level, but he's unproven at the NFL level. The same goes for Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. My whole thing is this, is that sit fields for a couple of games. I know it's going to suck for the fans, but at the end of the day, keep in mind is that this isn't like a one or two year investment. We're not trying to have Justin Fields be here only for his rookie contract. We're trying to have him be here for 15 to 20 years. And quite frankly, it might make sense to let him sit simply because you need to see how the offensive line is playing. And we'll get into the offensive line here in just a moment. But I would be of the opinion that let Fields sit because again, you want him to, you're trying to do this the right way. And I said this on Twitter last night. I was like, hey, it's awesome that the Bears got fields. But at the same time, it's also kind of sad that it took 102 years for the McCaskey family to finally figure out this is what we need at franchise quarterback. And I know, AJ, you agree with me the most. Like, it's pretty bad ownership, and it's just a bad reflection on the franchise in general when you have the same team that's been in the same family for generations and generations because we're approaching, what, five generations at this point that the McCaskies and the Hallises have had control over the Bears, and they've owned the Bears, and yet they've just completely failed to develop a damn franchise quarterback dude so it's just like you got one do it the right way i know it's gonna suck for fields to sit for a couple games but this remember this is a 15 to 20 year investment not a damn five-year investment no yeah I, i completely agree with you and you know sam does too as well justin fields is my qb is his name for this podcast you know sponsored by odessa sports but like you know moving on to the next subject you know obviously you know you got justin fields you have andy dalton um, you said obviously start off with you here on this. What do you think about the offensive line? You mentioned it a bit. You mentioned it about a couple of minutes ago. Um, you have Tevin Jenkins that you drafted. You have um, Larry Barone from Missouri. Missouri. Um, you signed Wilkerson in the off in the off season, and you gave five million dollars in, in incentivized deal to Jermaine Effetti. So, how do you see it playing out? 
I see it playing out like this. I think the Bears are going to experiment with Tevin Jenkins on the left side. And again, if you listen to the, which I know a lot of y'all didn't tune into the Ryan Pace presser, the Pace Nagy post draft presser. I tuned into it though, because I cover the Bears for Bear Report. So check out my work there as well. But I think overall, when you look at it, the way Pace and Nagy sounded is they're planning to play Tevin Jenkins at left tackle. There is, you don't just say, hey, so everything's on the table at left tackle right now. And then go ahead and cut Charles Leno Jr. the very next or 48 hours later, essentially, is when the cut was made. Not even 48 hours later, because it was made Sunday or Monday morning, and they said that Sunday night. What's going to happen is this is I think that you're going to get Tevin Jenkins at right tackle, or I'm sorry, left tackle. The reason you held on to Charles Leno Jr. for so long is because the way that you viewed it is you were not sure going into the draft what type of left tackles you were going to get, who was going to be on the board when you did indeed decide to draft an offensive lineman. You're going to get a starting five that's going to include Jenkins on left tackle, and he played seven or eight games at Oklahoma State at left tackle, and he said this in his presser too. He was just like, hey, listen, I actually opted or I actually wanted to play left tackle in practice, get the snaps, get the reps, because my whole thing was – what if the team needs me? You're going to get Jenkins at left tackle. Then you're going to have a combination at left guard of James Daniels is going to be there or even Cody White here. Center, you're going to get Cody White here or Sam Mustafer. Right guard, you're getting Ifedi or Alex Bars or even Cody White here or James Daniels. Right guard's the biggest question mark. And then right tackle is going to be either, I think right tackle would be Jermaine Ifedi. Elijah Wilkinson is going to be your swing tackle. There's a whole bunch of undrafted free agents. Those undrafted free agents, like the kids from Clemson, some of the other guys that they drafted, can't remember them off the top of my head. Those are going to be players that are merely depth options. And I think that one dark horse name to watch at right tackle is Alex Bars from Notre Dame. Because remember, he played three or four positions on the offensive line last year. I think that Alex Bars is one sneaky good name right now that a lot of Bears fans just are not keeping an eye on as a guy who could start in 2021. Yeah, and I think, too, the Bears do have both Arlington Hambright and Lechavia Simmons, should they feel like they can find something for there in the interior line. Obviously, last year, neither guy really got a true chance to really show much off, but two seventh-round guys that they also have on the roster. Um, I believe Adam Hodge said this, or I'm not sure who, but I believe the thought is that Musafir is going to start at center. But again, to Yusef's point, there's a lot of options. Um, what I like about this is that clearly – this year is going to be a little bit of an experiment with the offensive line, which I like because if the Bears can have Jenkins play left tackle and he's successful at left tackle, well, not only did you get a franchise quarterback, you got a franchise left tackle to protect him, and they're both on rookie deals. And as for Larry Borum, if Borum can end up playing on the other side, obviously I imagine that he's going to get some competition there with Ifedi. The Bears have two rookie tackles on both sides of the line. That's a really, really nice feeling going into the next few years with Justin Fields. Um, AJ, I'll go to you on this next point, um, but that's the best-case scenario. That's a great best-case scenario. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I agree with you, said when you said um, when you said it a couple uh, before going into the offensive line situation. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole point of this thing is that, like, you know, you've got to see how the offensive line works. So we're talking about that right now. And, like, just to um, piggyback on what you said, Sam, you know, I think it would be ideal if the Bears uh, did what the Chiefs did with um, with uh, Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, it gives them time for uh, Justin Fields to learn the playbook, to learn how the offensive line plays. I mean, like, obviously it's not going to be season long, but, like, you know, I mean – you did that with Mitch, but like going back to the offensive line, I mean, I, I see the whole point about you, you want to see how it plays. There's a lot of new faces there. Um, there's dark horse candidates. There's a lot of like, there's Wilkerson. There's, I mean, you just cut Leno. So you got, you have to see how it all plays out. So, I mean, like um, obviously I'm like looking at like how it went down with Leno. I mean, like he is an upstanding guy donated to a lot of charities play on um, played really, I guess played above average here or some would call it average. Um, but uh, I would have felt better if he stayed, you know, I mean, but, uh, or just would have gave Graham his walking papers. But I mean, like now, since he's now, since fields is here, his use went up. But then when you drafted Tevin, it kind of put Leno in that position in a chopping block position. So, uh, I get the cut, but now you have to see how the offensive line works, just like you said. 
So I'll add this on. I think that a lot of Bears fans, yeah, Charles Leno Jr. was good, but at the end of the day, if you were legitimately gonna upgrade left tackle, you you tried to upgrade left tackle anyway. You went after Trent Williams, completely missed out on him in free agency, and then you kind of settled for Tevin Jenkins, who again a lot of people seem to forget was indeed a top 20 player and a lot of people were mocking him as the third or fourth offensive tackle off the board in the first round but he slid all the way to 39 now i'll add this on i think that we have to understand man the bears are going lean and mean here on the offensive line i mean they want big strong physical guys who are going to do one thing they're going to impose their will on the defensive lineman and they're going to get a push if you look at the offensive line the last two seasons ever since kyle long retired the biggest issue has just been the fact that the bears have gotten zero push and when you get zero push with the five guys up front what that does is it affects your run game because now you can't get your running back going you have a hard runner in david montgomery who's going to benefit from an offensive line that's willing to impose their will because david montgomery quite frankly has been cheated out of so much production the last two seasons and the bears they need to continue to hire these guys or they need to continue to bring in guys that are going to be big they're going to be physical they're going to impose their will yeah they may not be the most technically refined but when they're physical and they're able to get a push and play with a mean streak, that's going to change the entire dynamic of this offense. And I think that when you go ahead and you add a guy like Jenkins, who clearly looks like the nicest kid in your math class, the reality of the situation is that Jenkins is going to get a lot of push. You can just tell by the way he talks. Same thing with Larry Borum or Barome. I don't know how to say his last name. Sorry Barome. if I'm butchering. Barome. Yeah, Barome. Cool. Yeah. And so ultimately, when you look at it, this is about revamping the offensive line and continuing to just get more physical. Jenkins, I think, is going to be the one out of any of these rookies that does have an immediate and noticeable impact. Yeah, and, and I think in, in Juan Castello, we trust. I, I think you want to bring him prospects like this that they can kind of move around. And and again, like the Bears really haven't had like a big bruiser on this offensive line ever since James Daniels went down with an injury. And, and you know, you know, you said actually called me out on Twitter a few days ago and, and called out my, my, my previous offensive line experience. But in my days as an offensive lineman, having a guy in the offensive line that could just push and just be aggressive is just a great feeling because it rallies all the other guys together and whether or not that's in Jenkins would be great. But again, there's just a lot more options, I feel like, this year than last year. And, and, you know, I feel like last year was another year where the Bears needed to address the offensive line. Now that the Bears kind of have a more clear direction at quarterback, the aggression by pace to go and get Jenkins was a great move because after Jenkins went at 39, the offensive tackle prospects came off the board that quick. Mm -hmm. By the time it got back to 52, what was it, Dylan Raddins was the only guy there, and no disrespect to him, but Jenkins is a first-round talent. So kudos to Pace for willing to be aggressive once again. I understand that losing the third-round pick sucked, but you ended up getting the fifth-round pick and getting another great offensive tackle prospect. So that was kind of the last thing I wanted to throw in there. And, and again, I'm excited to see what they play around with, what's going to be the best kind of meshing. Because that's kind of what the Bears did last year. They threw around some options. They ended up finding something that they liked towards the end of the year. But again, I'm excited to see that happen again with a little bit hopefully more success. But it's happy. To, I'm, just, I'm just happy to see so many guys with potential on this offensive line now and having James Daniels come back and having Mustafir and Alex Bars fight for playing time and having Cody White here be a great option as well. That That's exciting to me because I want Justin Fields to be here as long as possible. I'll make one final point before we move on. I think that this is finally Ryan Pace realizing his mistakes because he neglected the offensive line for so many years. I mean, yeah, you took two offensive guards and, and an offensive tackle in 2020, but you didn't really invest in the position in the 2019 draft. The 2018 draft, sure, you took James Daniels. The 2017 draft, you didn't invest in anyone. The 2016 draft, you got Cody Whitehair. You added... I mean, well, you took Jordan Morgan in 2017, but Jordan Morgan didn't pan out. The Bears have invested in offensive linemen, but they haven't invested in good enough offensive linemen. And kind of what that's led to is just a really soft unit. And so now you are getting Juan Castillo, who's continuing to basically push these guys. And he's going to bring the best out of them because Juan Castillo, he is a guy that a lot of people have a tremendous amount of respect for. And what's going on, Juan? Thanks for joining us. 
the boys yeah. bears. I mean, like just just to just to add before we move on to our next uh, next topic here, you know, I mean, you know, James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, and basically Tevin Jenkins are the are the line additions that Pace has made through the draft. I don't really count guys like Jordan Jordan Morgan, Latavius Simmons, Arnson Hambright, and all those guys. I mean, those guys have yet to touch um, the roster. Well, not the roster, the the field on Sundays. So, I mean, like you know, I just have the mentality that like you know, uh, he's only drafted three offensive linemen, and you said you're right. He's neglected it, and this is his sixth year, and he's only drafted three legit ones. I mean, like yeah, he signed a couple of them, but like you know, like he mistreated the Kyle Long situation pretty badly. You know, I mean, like that goes on him as much as it goes on the ownership because, like, you know, he was a good player. He really cared about the Bears. So if you really um, hurt him out, he would still be here. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, um, but just, um, yeah, we'll just have to see how it really pans out and just go from there. The offensive line. Yeah, I definitely agree. So let me ask you guys this i mean who is your most surprising draft pick and sam we'll start with you on this one your most surprising draft pick uh initially khalil herbert um i i think the reason why i thought it was the most surprising was just because i didn't expect the bears to take another running back solely on the fact that with cohen returning and damian williams signed um it i felt like the bears had had their running back room kind of figured out but now that I realize that he has some special teams value, it, it makes a little bit more sense. And again, it's not like Ryan Nall is necessarily a captivating prospect for me for the next year. Um, I think it was just one of those things where I wasn't expecting the Bears to take so many offensive players. Um, and, and when Herbert got picked, you know, I was just kind of like, oh, weird. The Bears are like investing into another running back. But he's a pretty solid prospect. I don't know a ton about him, um, but I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I think just of all the picks, I think he was the most surprising. Um, uh, to answer that question from uh, Josh Steve forty four, I feel like the Bears are going to stay put with the tackle that tackles that they have. What do you guys think? I mean, we'll get back to the draft pick stuff in a second here, but I think you have to experiment with it because, but you mm-hmm. have to move fast because Alejandro Villanueva yep. just signed with the Ravens. Now that was a that was a verbal agreement that was already in place. They were just waiting to make it official until. After the draft, if you look at guys like Eric Fisher, guys like Mitchell Schwartz, I think that those are two players that because they were with Matt Nagy in Kansas City, they would add tremendous value to the offensive line. And why? Because it's not just the fact that they were in Kansas City. It is the fact that they were the ones who kind of saw the torch being passed from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. So they would have some additional insight or input if that's what you want to call it to the offensive line and this is a younger unit I mean Cody Whitehair is technically the most experienced guy on the line everyone else has been in the league for three or four seasons I think overall when you look at it you have to look seriously into Schwartz or Fisher now if you sign Fisher you're playing Tevin Jenkins on the right side if you sign Schwartz you're playing Schwartz on the right side and then putting Jenkins on the left side, which is totally okay too. But the advantage of having Schwartz on the right side is you're giving Larry Barome a very good coach, a very good offensive tackle essentially to learn under. And then that would just effectively kick Jermaine Effetti. You could put him at right guard or you would be paying him $5 million basically to be a depth option if Alex Bars were to win that spot. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I got nothing else to add to that. If you want to go back to the prospects, um, I said my most surprising one, Herbert. AJ, I don't know if you want to go next with yours. Yeah, I mean, my guy is Thomas Graham out of Oregon. I think this guy is going to play slot corner for us right off the bat. This guy is really athletic. I mean, you know, I mean, he can really follow. I mean, like, I really think, like, you know, in Oregon, he gave a lot of problems to, I think, Amon or St. Brown when they played. Uh, and you're watching this guy's tape. He he really has eyes for the ball. He has tremendous ball skills. I mean, I'm really surprised that he fell all the way down to the sixth round. I mean, like I thought he was like a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick, but you know that is some great uh, pick up there, Thomas Graham. You know, I, I have high hopes for him. So that's my guy. I mean, your guy was um, Khalil Harbor, right, Sam? That was my my most surprising one. I I, I think both those guys are going to be huge for the Bears. Yeah, I like them. 
I like them. Right. I was not expecting the Bears to take a running back at all. Yeah. The fact that they did. I, mean, I think it might be like more of a return specialist thing. I mean, but like yeah. you know, I I like I like the speed that that we brought in. You know, so I mean, it, it's definitely matching the uh, the skill set of Justin Fields and what we want to build around him. So. Yeah, see, my most surprising pick is I send a text out here to my field instructor. Um, but yeah, my most surprising pick was this. I would actually say, going back to Sam's, Kula Herbert was very surprising for me because I just didn't. You have Ryan Nall, Artavius Pierce, Damian Williams. Then you have Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery. But signing... Khalil Her- or I'm sorry, drafting Khalil Herbert's interesting because it makes Tariq Cohen expendable. I think what's going to happen is you're going to have an offensive line or a running back room of David Montgomery is going to be your featured guy. Damon Williams is going to be your number two. Tariq Cohen's going to kind of be your gadget guy. And then you are going to have Artavius Pierce be RB4. You're going to have then at that point Ryan All. They're not going to carry five running backs, which means one of these guys between Pierce or Nall's getting cut. But then Khalil Herbert's also interesting because you could stash him away on the practice squad and just make him a special teams guy. Now, with that said, his final year at Virginia Tech, the guy averaged about 30 yards per return, and that's really valuable because why did Tariq Cohen tear his ACL? Tariq Cohen tore his ACL because they decided to throw him back there on punts. It's good to see the Bears finally learning that you can have a late-round draft pick or an undrafted free agent guy be the punt returner and you can get it for a much cheaper option. What's up, AJ? I was just going to say that because you harped that point um, for the last couple of podcasts that you can just get a guy in the sixth round or just sign a guy off the street to uh, return, return yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that just like physically go sign a guy off the street. You could get a nice quality person that can go get you 23, 24 yards that could, it's not as much as for for the cap. I mean, that's the whole reason that we're coming from about Cordell Patterson. You're going to pay him $4 million just to go on back to the 25. No. And just for two returns in two years. No. So you're going to try something new. You're going to experiment something new. So, you know, I, I like it, but you know, I think Herbert with the other running backs that we have, I think he, his destination is more for a practice squad. And then we bring him up um, in the season for returns and stuff. If guys like Daz Newsom are not the guys that are not getting more yards than we're supposed to. So, um, yeah, yeah, I like it. I mean, I like that pick too. Surprising as well. My, my only concern with throwing him on the practice squad, and I see the logic behind it, is I, I just don't want to care. I don't want to care if White 2.0. You guys remember when we took White, I think it was in the 2019 oh, yeah. draft, in the seventh yeah. round. Yeah. Ended up just having, mm-hmm. ended up, I believe we caught him or something. He ended up being picked up by the Steelers, who mm-hmm. ended up actually being on the active roster and contributing for them. I just don't want the Bears to take a guy with the sixth round if he's not going to end up doing much. Like, if he's ready for the special teams, Protect the roster or or activate him. I'd rather have four running backs active than, I I don't know, have him stashed away. But I do see your logic behind it. Like, if he's just there for special teams, I think it's okay to throw him on the practice squad. I just don't want to care with White 2.0. That's the only thing I really else wanted to add behind that. Um, But I do think that him and Newsom are going to provide some special teams value for sure with returns. And, again, as long as it's not paying Cordero Patterson $4 million, he's going to do it again because loves Cordero Patterson, but the money there Mm -hmm. just makes sense. Well, yeah, it was for me and the Bears are in the situation that they're in because you look at it, it's just like, okay, so you overpaid for Robert Quinn. You overpaid yeah. for Cordero Patterson as well. And quite frankly, it's just like, yo, you can get cheaper guys off the street or in the draft to there be you your know. gadget type players. So <laughs> the Patterson contract, and I like Patterson. He was good while he was here. But the reality of the situation is that he was essentially a waste of space and resources is what he really was. And I think that going forward, it's all Tabor's got to do, the special teams coordinator, is get the best out of Khalil Herbert. I mean, if Khalil Herbert is able to be your main punt and kick returner, that mm-hmm. is a massive steal right there because he is a player that wins on decision-making and speed and really good vision. And so you just got to teach him to kind of read what's in front of him as a special teams returner, not necessarily as a running back, and you should be set and good to go there. But the Bears did have four, I believe – Day three picks. So they had Herbert Newsome, Chris Tyonga from BYU, a defensive tackle, as well as Thomas Graham Jr. Sam, I'll go to you on this one, but which of these four is making an immediate impact for the Bears? I think Thomas Graham's going to immediately compete for starting time. Um, and the reason why I say this is this is a guy from Oregon who had three years of starting experience prior to opting out of the 2020 season. 
When I look at the other guys that the Bears took in the late rounds, right, we're looking at a Days Newsome, we look at a Khalil Herbert, and we look at a Chris uh, Chris Tonga. I think all of those guys, yeah, maybe they have some value on the special teams, and maybe Tonga gets some rotation in. It's it's some insurance, a defensive line. But of all those four guys, the one position group that I think is going to have some real competition this year is cornerback. Outside of Jalen Johnson, I don't feel great about the Bears' cornerback depth. You know, obviously they signed Desmond Trufant. They brought back Artie Burns. Both are guys who are injury prone. Obviously, Burns in particular coming off an ACL tear. And the Bears, you know, their their nickelback depth is Duke Shelley and Kendall Wilder, who flashed some potential, but neither guy really proved that they had that starting spot. So I think for me personally, I think Graham's going to have a really, really, really good opportunity to compete for some starting time. Whether it be outside or at nickel, I just think the cornerback room this year is going to have some guys come out that are going to be surprising, just kind of like last year when um, I can't even think of his name, but he ended up signing with the Broncos, ended up getting cut. Now, what am I? Who am I thinking of here? Um, Bryce Callahan, AJ Bouye, no, no. AJ Bouye, no, uh, Kevin Tolliver for the Bears. Kevin Kevin Tolliver, yeah, that's that's right. right, Kevin Tolliver. Thank you. I think something like that's going to happen again. I would not be surprised if Graham gets some real playing time this year. Um, of all the rookies there. And again, like, you know, again, three year started Oregon has some really good tape, but I just opted out of last season. I think that plummeted his draft stock a little bit. So I think this could be a steal again for the bears. If he is able to play. And I think that's going to be the guy who is going to have the most surprise here for all these six round rookies, but I'll go to you guys next. Actually, that, that was my most, um, I, I, tw- I twisted them all, actually. My surprising pick was Khalil Herbert. Now, this one is the most contributing pick. This is Thomas Graham. Uh, silly AJ. What can you say? Oh, what can yeah. I say? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, Thomas Graham out of Oregon. Uh, great eye for the ball. Um, great coverage skills. Um, you know, he reminds me a lot of Bryce Callahan, but we got him undrafted. But, you know, if he could play – but I, the, the only difference between both of them is that, just like you mentioned, he can play outside, he can play inside. So, and he reminds me a lot like, you know, Kevin Tolliver, but I think he could be better than Kevin Tolliver. So, um, but he's a really sticky corner. He likes to stick around. He likes to, you know, be on the line there in press coverage and stuff. So I'm happy that we got him. But like, just like Sam said, he he fell out of like the, four, the third or fourth round just because he opted out. I did not know that. So um, I haven't really watched that much Oregon ball because Tyler Shaw stopped. But, um, yeah, um, Thomas Graham, you know, obviously USC, um, uh, when USC was playing Oregon in the in the, in the season finale, a lot of problems were given by Thomas Graham. So, I mean, you know, I'm just I'm just here to see some ball at this point. And Luke, my guy, I'm just here for the Andy Dalton stuff. We already talked about him. It's over. You know, Yusuf thinks he's going to start. I think Justin Fields is going to start week one. And Sam, um, you think uh, it's going to be a transition like uh, Patrick Mahomes maybe, but, like, that's just – I really hope Fields yeah. starts week one, but if they yeah. start week one, it's not going to necessarily surprise me. I just want to see yeah. That's I just want to see Fields, man. I'm going to a preseason game. Fuck this shit. I want to see him pat it up and throw a, ba- throw a pass and complete it, man. I don't care, dude. I, I want to go. I want to go bad. But anyways, so, that, that, that's my surprising pick. We'll no, get to in, uh, most time. contributing. Yeah, we'll get to Luke's point in just a moment here, asking are the Bears in a rebuild? But I think when you look at these guys in terms of who's going to contribute, look, let's just go down the list here. Okay, so Daz Newsome. Well, the Bears wide receiver room is too loaded for Daz Newsome to come in and immediately contribute day one. Now, I'm not writing him off completely, but it's going to be very hard for him to contribute when your main snaps are going to Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. And then you have Anthony Miller, Javon Wims, Riley Ridley, Marquise Goodwin, Damian Bird. Those are six other guys that could take more snaps away before a six-round rookie gets them. It would really take Newsom would really have to light it up in camp to even move up the depth chart significantly. I think it is going to be Khalil Herbert that has the immediate impact just as a special teams player because when you look at special teams, people have to understand is that special teams essentially flips the entire game because if your returners get good field position, you set your offense up. If your punters right can kick the damn ball hard enough and just pin it, whatever, inside the five. Now you've benefited your defense. So really what it's going to be is Herbert's going to have the biggest impact. When you look at Karayas Tonga, okay, so young guy, 25, 26 years old, one of the older draft prospects. He is a player that's 
is coming into a really loaded rotational group. And yeah, the Bears lost some depth this offseason at the on the defensive line. So Roy Robertson Harris isn't back. Brent Urban's not back. But then who else are you getting back? You have Akeem Hicks. Eddie Goldman's coming back, and that's pretty much confirmed at this point. Bilal Nichols is there. Mario Edwards Jr. So at best Tonga would and then you have Angelo Blackson, who's at best Tonga mm-hmm. would be a defensive line. You'd be like the fifth or sixth defensive lineman on the depth chart. And then you look at Thomas Graham. Sam, you're kind of right in this sense. Your starting corners are going to be Jalen Johnson and Desmond Trufant on the outside. The slot's a bit of a question because Kendall Vildor played there at times last year. So did Duke Shelley. Now, I think really what will happen is this. And then also for the cornerback, you have Artie Burns, Trey Robertson, Tease Tabor from Detroit, even who the Bears signed. I think it was late last year. I think that Thomas Graham's going to develop into something, but we're not going to see the best come out of him until at least 2022. But overall, when I look at it, to sum it up, Herbert's going to have the biggest impact day one, and that's because he's going to get the most opportunity out of any of these guys to kind of make the impact because he'll be the main special teams returner. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think we should, uh, we should answer the question real quick before we kind of go to our next point here. Um, are the Bears in a rebuild? Um, I, I'll go to you guys first because I want to actually take a second to think about this and think about what I want to say. Um, but So I'll go to one of you guys next here, but I, I want to think about this for a second. I um, don't – All right, go ahead, you say. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't – so – there's a big difference between a rebuild in the NFL and a retool. With a rebuild, you fire all the guys that messed your team up in the first place. And then you hire new guys and you kind of build the team up from scratch. But with that said, this offseason, now that we're kind of in the slower part of the offseason between May and June, the Bears didn't necessarily rebuild. They opted to run it back with Pace and Nagy because the rationale between running it back with Pace and Nagy was, hey, can you kind of fix the mess that you've created? And we're confident that you're going to be able to do so. And what did it lead to? Well, all the collaboration talk that a lot of the fans were making fun of back in January, and we were making fun of it too because this podcast is a collaborative effort. Kind of what had happened is this is it led to Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins. Now, with that said, this was more of a retooling than anything else because they didn't necessarily significantly overhaul like any one side of the ball. They kind of kept the balanced approach. They were conservative throughout free agency saying, hey, listen, we are not going to make any major splash signings. As soon as they knew that they weren't getting Trent Williams, we're not going to make any major slash signings. We're going to be conservative. We're going to patch up some holes here and there in the short term, and then we're going to draft some long-term talent. That's essentially what the Bears did. Ultimately, it's more of a retooling than it is a rebuild because they didn't tear like the entire roster down. They kind of just realized, hey, this is where we have the holes. These are the spots that we have to patch things up at this offseason, and hopefully that's going to kind of fix this thing moving forward. And I also think because Luke brought this point up. This is more so of a two-year plan than anything. I think with Justin Fields, if you're the McCaskey family, you are giving Pace and Nagy at least two or three more years because they now have their quarterback. Um, yeah, and AJ, go ahead. Um, so about this, I read it in the chat from Luke earlier. It's just 39 free agents and stuff. Um, for me, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm in the middle of it. Like, it just depends on how, how things go this, uh, this season. I mean, like, 39, 39 players is a lot to a lot to, uh, to a lot to fill if you let all of them go. But, like, obviously, you're not going to. You're going to re sign a couple of them. Um, probably like 60% or 70% of them, probably. Um, and then replace the rest with the draft and you to get face and stuff. Um, but I think we're headed more towards like a retool because if you really look at our cap situation, it's not like the bears are deeply invested in the next couple of years. Um, so it's like, it's like, it's like how you interpret the cap, you know, I'm a numbers guy. So, you know, right, right, right now, after cutting uh, Charles Lennon, you're at five or f- five, eight or five, nine, you know, right now what they're doing is they're going to designate it as a, as a June first cut. So you'll actually save 9 million. So the number will be nine point, whatever the bears have right now. So 9.3. So uh, June 1st, they'll have that money, right? Obviously. 
and they'll be able to sign their class and stuff. And then they'll be able to see what they can do in July and stuff uh, in, um, in July and August and training camp and all of that to w- whether they want to keep Jeremy Graham or not. Well, given his contract, you know, two years, 16 million, nine million guaranteed, there's an easy out in that. So they have to think about that decision as well. They also have to think about, you know, trading Nick Foles after the June 1st um designation as well because there's not a cap charge after that so um if they can find a suitor great they can create some money but aside from all of that i think it's more for a retool because if you make those moves you can carry that money into 2022 and you can have uh i don't know like after given after what roquan's option you know you're looking at like 50 51 52 million dollars with the cap next year and just depends on like, you know, what the revenue in the NFL and what it's going to be set up for next off season and stuff. So I think, I think the bears are just trying to wait it out and see where they're going to be at. To be honest, it's, it's a tough question to answer. That's why I'm going in circles right now. So see, I'm staying with it knowing that they have 39 free agents next year. And here's why, because ultimately you are going to make some cuts next year. I think that when we're already looking ahead to next off season, kind of what's going to happen is you are going to see a guy like, Akeem Hicks get cut, even though fans don't want to hear it. Look, Akeem Hicks is a fan yeah. favorite, but this is the reality of the situation is you're going to have business. to move on from, right. It's the business side of things. And quite frankly, business takes precedence over anything else in the NFL. But Akeem Hicks is going to be a guy that gets, they're going to have to move on from Akeem Hicks to create cap space. And then another player, well, Robert Quinn, essentially too. I think that also when you look at next year, some of their free agents are heavily on the defensive side of the ball. So, like, right now, I have Robert Quinn's contract kind of pulled up in front of me. Dude, the Bears are going to cut Robert Quinn, and they're going to designate him as a post-June 1st cut next year because then mm-hmm. you're saving $12.9 million in cap space. And I think that the big Same thing also... Right, exactly. And I think that the big thing to also keep in mind is that you have a young, two young guys in Travis Gibson and your undrafted free agent in Charles Snowden, who, by the way, Charles Snowden, I don't know how he went undrafted. He was highly productive at Virginia. Those are going to be some of the younger guys that you roll into camp with. And so ultimately, yeah, you have 39 free agents, but we have to keep in mind is that the 39 free agents, I mean, the biggest one of them is Allen Robinson, but then the other 38 are a lot of these depth guys. And you can replace the depth very easily and that's essentially what the bears are doing because you have a whole bunch of these undrafted free agents that i think when the coaching staff develops them the right way they're going to turn into some pretty solid players down the road i mean it's just a matter of staying patient with it but kind of as we begin to wrap up here we would be foolish to be a bears podcast but not discuss this but there's a certain team in the state of wisconsin the green bay packers i mean it's looking really messy up there right sam i think it's reaching the point of no return yeah, and and it's actually one thing I wanted to add to kind of the rebuild point. Like the the NFC this year could potentially be very open. With you know, I, I don't think the Lions are going to be very good. The Vikings might have a little bit of a fight, but if Aaron Rodgers is gone in Green Bay, the division is all for the Bears. And and let me tell you something: if I see Aaron Rodgers on Jeopardy in October, I will watch every single episode with a smile. Honestly, me too. I would too. I, I think it's a lot of this is going to be kind of similar to the Russell Wilson thing. I think it's going to be a lot of smoke that doesn't end up being much. But I dream of the day that Aaron Rodgers is no longer in a Packers uniform. And, and if he ends up retiring or that ends up getting real messy, I will be sitting back in my chair with a cold mirror light in my hand and a smile on my face. Because let me tell you something, Aaron Rodgers has plagued me since the day I started becoming a Bears fan as a young, young age. And that name haunts me to this day. So if I could see him out of Green Bay and Justin Fields take over as the best quarterback in this division, I would be a happy, happy lad. But I don't think anything's going to really come from it. But I do want to hear what you guys think because it would be kind of fun to see. Like, is he going to get actually get traded to a team like Denver? Is New York actually a team that he could get traded to? I want to hear what you guys have to say because I don't think – I think it's all a bunch of smoke. But curious to see what your thoughts are on this. Yeah, and I'll add this on right here is you mentioned – Aaron Rodgers potentially being out of Green Bay. Hey, let's not forget, Drew Brees also retired. So that NFC South is the Bucks for the taking. The Rams went ahead and got Matthew Stafford, but there's also uncertainty because the 49ers are going to go ahead and, yeah, 
Kyle Shanahan is the most quarterback-friendly offense in the NFL. But at the end of the day, Jimmy Garoppolo has not been the guy who's been able to get you over the top. And you have Trey Lance there. I think ultimately you look at it, another major point is that Drew Brees retiring truly means that the Bears could really surprise some people this year because the Saints just don't look confident with Ian Book, Taysom Hill, and Jameis Winston as one of their three starting quarterbacks. But AJ, go ahead, man. So, I mean, you know, if Aaron Rodgers ever left the Green Bay Packers, I would go downstairs to my dad and just be like, eat shit. Because he is a Green Bay Packers fan and a shareholder of that team. And I would just love it if I said that to his face. And because he's already pissed off that Justin Fields is on the bear. He, because he loves Ohio State, too. He, like, has one of his best college football teams. Like, we sometimes, if I'm not at Austin's house, we grab a cold one and we watch Justin Fields. He loves Justin Fields for the Bears, and the fit is great. But going back to uh, Aaron Rodgers, if he's gone, dude, my dad is probably going to sit in a corner and cry for, like, the next couple of days because, you know, he does not have any faith in Jordan Love. You know, Jordan Love is a is a um, a tulip leaf compared to um, Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, to be honest, I mean, if he's gone, you know, I just like Sam said, I'm gonna crack open a nice bottle of Blue Label. I will spend two hundred dollars on it, and I will pour myself a half glass, and I will I will sip on it until I feel dizzy and fall asleep. You know, that's the celebration drink after Aaron Rodgers if he leaves the Green Bay Packers. But nevertheless. These are all just smoke screens. I mean, there have been multiple rumors of the uh, of Rogers leaving. So go ahead, Sam. I think you got something. Well, let me ask you guys this: What do you think is more realistic? Do you think that Rogers is going to demand a trade and be traded out of Green Bay, or do we think Aaron Rodgers is going to retire? I want to hear your guys' thoughts first here because I have something. I I I, I want to keep my thoughts to myself here for a second, just because I want to kind of. I want to try to gather up what I want to say without just spewing out words into a circle. But what do you guys think? Is it more likely he would be traded or he would be, he would retire? I think they, I think they trade him and I think they trade him because when you look at this entire saga, you look at the way that it's played out. Hey, listen, the Packers did him a disservice last year by, going ahead and selecting Jordan Love in the first round. Now, part of it is also age. I think that when you look at everything from the Packers' perspective, what it is is this, is that Aaron Rodgers is whatever, 37, 38 years old. So how many years does he have left in tank versus a guy like Jordan Love who you would think you're getting at least like 15, 16, 17 years out of? But I think that to answer the question in the chat here, if Aaron Rodgers stays, no, I don't think that they dominate the division necessarily because I think with a guy like Fields, the Bears have closed the gaps, not necessarily significantly, but they've closed it enough to the point where if the Bears have a competent offense that averages like whatever, 24, 25 points a game, then it's going to take a lot of pressure off the defense because the Bears going into 2021 are not going to be the defense first team that – we all think that they are, but I think ultimately, man, you know, they're going to trade him because they're going to realize, hey, Aaron Rodgers is going to realize, hey, listen, for me personally, the way I'm looking at it is if I retire, I would owe the Packers, I think it's like $11.5 million or something over like, like a two-year like yeah, yeah. Like two or three-year period. But if I get traded and I just kind of force my way out of Green Bay, it's a win-win for both sides because Green Bay, you get draft capital, and then Aaron Rodgers a lot kind of, of just draft gets, capital. Right, and then Aaron Rodgers yeah. gets out of Green Bay. And I think when you look at it, ultimately, he just something just screams to me, man, that the Denver Broncos are going to be making a play for Aaron Rodgers because, okay, yeah, they went ahead and they have Drew Locke, so they just traded a six-round pick for Teddy Bridgewater. But you know what's most interesting is the Broncos general manager, George Patton, he comes from the Minnesota organization, and George Patton firsthand knows how much Aaron Rodgers had tortured the Vikings over the last couple of years. I mean, Patton was in the Vikings war room when they selected Teddy Bridgewater back in 2014 with the 32nd overall pick. When you look at that, you realize very quickly that some AFC team is going to trade. And I actually think the Broncos make the most sense for Aaron Rodgers because Vic Fangio would kind of happily accept him with open arms, knowing that Aaron Rodgers with a broken knee beat Vic Fangio's defense. Ultimately, in 2018 week one, 
But the reality of the situation is that Rodgers is getting traded this offseason. He's not going back to the Packers. I mean, this relationship, just by judging what's out there on Twitter, what Adam Schefter's reported, kind of the comments that have been made, the tweet that Aaron Rodgers liked from the Devontae Adams tweet that Aaron Rodgers liked, it just signals it's getting to a point where it's at a point of no return. And now the clock is ticking. And so for Green Bay, you either just say, hey, trade him, let's move on. Or you know what? You basically lose out in the 2021 season. But ultimately, anytime you go from Hall of Fame quarterback to first-round rookie, especially an underdeveloped first-round rookie, a guy that a lot of teams had a second or third-round grade on in Jordan Love, you know what? you are kind of losing something big. That's a big step back that you're taking. You're taking a hell of a step back going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. Jordan Love is not even proven. Like, that guy's going to, like, take this first snap and throw a pick. Like, I mean, like, I think Packers fans would agree with me on that. I mean, like, the guy, like, if, if Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback and he's the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion, you know, and if he's gone, and, like, I guess, yeah, you sat behind him for a year, but it's like now you have to learn the whole entire playbook that Jordan, that Aaron Rodgers learned. So, I mean, that's going to take some time. You know, it's not it's not easy, but I agree with you. You said, I think, you know, the, the, the relationship has gotten a little soil, and now it's, like, either, like, either trade me or I'm going to force my way out. And either if it's like that, like, I, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to do that 11 and a half payment for over two or three years or whatever the time period, time period may be. Um, I think he may force his way out on the trade, but we'll see what happens. Like, I won't believe it until that guy, the guy is gone, dude. If he's gone, ugh, it's going to be a great day in hell. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think too, like, you have to understand, like, Matt LaFleur is a heck of a coach. Like, he he will still find a way to win the Packers in games. But, again, you said, said perfectly, going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, and I don't want to be too critical on Jordan Love because, again, you don't truly know what you have in him. But I just don't think you end up dominating a division again like that so quickly. Now, I do hope that the Packers are smart that if Rodgers does actually want to get traded, they, they actually you know what. I hope they're dumb and they wait and they don't get as much as they should. Um, but I imagine it'll be an overhaul for Rodgers, who I think can go to a lot of teams and end up making them compete. You know, do kind of a Tom Brady 2.0 here. I mean, the Buccaneers went from zeros to heroes real, real quick. So if Rodgers could do that for a Broncos team, you know, I don't need to see the Broncos win another Super Bowl, but I like Vic Fangio, and I think he deserves it as a head coach, and I think that would be kind of cool. But you know, I'd rather see my Bears win a Super Bowl with Justin Fields. So uh, you know what? If Aaron Rodgers had been traded the same day that the Bears had drafted Justin Fields. That might have been the best day in Bears history, but uh, it is going to be a glorious day in Chicago when Rodgers is no longer a Packer. I will say that much. See, it's interesting because I was actually at the peak on the south side of Wheaton in Donata, kind of near your hood, Sam. And what had happened is I just I was listening to sports radio because it was, um, you know, it was the Thursday of the draft and. Mm-hmm. I see Matt Miller, who's working for ESPN as well now in their NFL draft coverage. He's like, oh, Shefty Bomb coming on NFL Live next. And what had happened is I was just like, hey, I'm not moving until I see Adam Schefter drop this bomb because something is clearly up here because they all knew that Adam Schefter was going to tweet something. And sure enough, it was the Roger scoop. I just think ultimately, man, when you look at it, kind of reading everything here, they have tried to do everything to change his mind. Matt LaFleur. Um, Mike Murphy, the president of the Packers organization, Guten kissed the general manager. And then a couple days ago, the report came out that, hey, listen, Brian Aaron Rodgers is not going to return to the Packers as long as Brian Guten is the general manager. Dude, that basically means it's gotten to the point where Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be back, but the Packers are essentially trying to force a failed marriage. I mean, this is like the freaking relationship that you know needs to end. But the reality of the situation is you have one side that is still trying to make it work. But the other side is just like, hey, listen, I have zero interest in fixing things here. That is what's going on here, which means Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded sooner or later. And I think that when you look at it, Green Bay would be very wise to Green Bay is going to trade him out of the NFC just because they don't want to have to deal with him. But I think Denver is an interesting spot. You look at some of the other teams around the league. I mean, hey, listen, uh, 
You look at the AFC East, and just there's just playing process of elimination here. I mean, AFC East, there's not really anyone there that would want Aaron Rodgers because all four of those teams have young quarterbacks. Look at the AFC North. None of those teams would make sense for Aaron Rodgers. You look at the AFC South. Hey, maybe the Houston Texans are a team that could make a play for Rodgers because the Deshaun Watson era there and that whole saga that's under uncertainty with all the lawsuits and plus all the reports that are coming out of Houston just signal that it's going to be either Tyrod Taylor or Davis Mills that starts day one and then you look at the AFC West okay the Raiders are committed to Derek Carr the Chargers have Justin Herbert Denver is an option like we've mentioned and there's actually the Denver reporters have kind of talked about Aaron Rodgers and then the Chiefs they're not trading for him because they have Patrick Mahomes so ultimately the options here are limited, and I'll even add this on. I think another NFC East or an NFC East team that I know for a fact was in play for a quarterback but totally missed out, the Washington football team. I think you look at Washington, I don't think they're going to go into the season with Heineke, which is why I believe that Aaron Rodgers could be a strong candidate to be traded there. Yeah, That's I like, I like the Heineke move. Uh, I mean, I like the move to the, to the Washington football team as well. Um, I'd rather see him away from the NFC entirely, but I, I just don't see a reality where he is a Green Bay Packer unless something dramatic happens. And I'm not going to be upset about it because I can't stand the Green Bay Packers. Uh, just uh, just to like uh, just a couple of minutes here before we wrap up the show. Um, you know, there was a question here by Aaron W. Steve here. If Aaron stays, uh, still think they would dominate the division? Uh, this is something that we haven't answered yet. And if like if there is no trade looming in the air, do you guys still think that he has the powers to dominate the division? I think he does because he always sticks it up our ass every fucking season. Well, except yeah, 2018. I, I mean, I think I think to that point, like, yeah, I still think the Packers would be a strong team in the NFC. Like, you know, I, I think as long as if Rodgers is willing to stay, if that somehow that toxic relationship that you said mentioned somehow gets mended for the year. Yeah. I still imagine that the Packers are going to do well this year. Um, and, and all to them. I mean, they were a good team last year. They were a team two years ago that despite their record, people didn't really believe in them. Their team last year was pretty strong and had a potential to make it all the way to the Super Bowl, which makes me want to throw up, but it's the reality. I don't think they'll necessarily dominate because I do think the NFC is starting to slowly turn to the tide of the bears Hopefully, but to that point, and then I'll kind of let you wrap things up here. You said, I think the Packers will still be very good if Aaron Rodgers is a Packer in 2021. Oh, he is, but I think that you're going to see a lot more chemistry and friction just because he's made it clear he doesn't want to be back. And quite frankly, maybe something like this happens where Rodgers just retires and then the Packers would theoretically own his rights, but then he could just like buy out his contract or do something and then just return in 2022. I mean, that would honestly, I think that that's another route as well. But guys, that is going to do it for us this evening. Listen, we thank you guys so much. Obviously, moving over to the new network, we're still in the process of integrating some things over. But hey, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at fireside bears look we're gonna have a lot of articles coming out we're in the process of like continuing to talk about adding more writers so really guys we're trying to take bears twitter by storm a huge shout out to our tiktok guy max smith for all that he does for us follow me on twitter instagram facebook and tiktok at usaid koshal follow aj and sam on twitter and every other social media platform at aj desai and at SJSteve9. Also, guys, check out Empire Sports Media on Twitter. We are going to be exclusively working under them now. But hey, good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you may be watching this because people in India do listen to our podcast. So shout out to you guys right. over there. We're going to get out of here, guys. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you sometime in May. Justin Fields is our quarterback. Let's get it. Bear down.